Hello, this is Jude from Newslaundry.com, bringing you your daily dose of news. Today is Wednesday, the 24th of June. Uddhav Thakre has invited all district chiefs of the Shiv Sena for a meeting as the possibility of a vertical split hangs over the party. According to Indian Express, Eknath Shinde, the rebel leader, has left Mumbai from Guwahati after Sanjay Raut issued a challenge to the rebel camp today, saying that they are not going to concede defeat and that their party will complete its full term. He had previously cautioned Shinde that such conflicts are resolved through legal system or on the streets. In a statement to reporters, Rawat added that if necessary, the Shiv Sena staff will go out onto the roads. According to a letter from the Maharashtra Legislative Secretariat to the party, Ajay Chaudhary, who took over as the Shiv Sena party group leader following Eknath Shinde's rebellion, has been recognised as such by the Deputy Speaker. Shinde declared himself to be the head of the Shiv Sena Legislative Party and Bharat Chet Gogawale to be the party's chief whip in a letter to Deputy Speaker Narhari Zirwal on Thursday that was signed by 37 MLAs. The Supreme Court today dismissed a petition by Zakia Jafri, the wife of the late Congress MP Ehsan Jafri, challenging the special investigation team report that had cleared PM Narendra Modi, the then Chief Minister of Gujarat, in a case pertaining to the 2002 Gujarat riots. A bench headed by Justice A.M. Kanvilkar upheld the decision to accept the special investigation team's closure in a case pertaining to an alleged larger conspiracy behind the violence. The court held that the petition was devoid of merits and said that they rejected Zakia's argument that there was a violation of the law in the way the investigation was conducted and how the magistrate and the High Court handled the final report. The SIT's report had cleared 64 people, including Modi, in the case. According to the SIT's closure report, which was turned in on February 8, 2012, no evidence was found that could be used to bring charges against any of the accused, including Modi, in the writing cases. The judgment was made in response to Zakia's appeal against the Gujarat High Court verdict from October 5, 2017, affirming that the magistrate court's decision to accept the closure report. Before, in December 2021, after hearing arguments from both sides, the Supreme Court reserved judgment on the appeal. Zakia Jafri's attorney, Kapil Sibbal said that the special investigation team did not review all the material and claimed that the state had assisted in the spread of hatred. On February 28, 2002, a mob went on the rampage in Ahmedabad's Gulbarg Society, pelting stones and setting homes on fire. Esan Jafri was one of the 69 individuals who died in the incident. Seven more people died in the Assam floods yesterday, two of them children. In all, the floods have killed at least 108 people so far. Eight National Disaster Response Force teams were brought in from Itanagar and Bhubaneswar, while an army team was sent in from Dimapur, along with nine boats for the operations in Silchar. As of now, 30 out of Assam's 35 districts have been categorised as flood-affected. A total of 45,34,048 residents have been adversely affected by the deluge in the state. Jammu and Kashmir police have booked the CEO of pro-state news portal Real Kashmir News for allegedly spreading fake news. Sajid Yusuf Shah's website, Real Kashmir News, had carried a report claiming that the police shot dead two Kashmiri militants in Kupwara on June 20th. The police claimed that the militants were foreigners and accused the Real Kashmir News of spreading fake news. On June 21st, the Real Kashmir News fact-checked its own report, admitting that it had erred in identifying as local men the militants killed in Kupwara. The confusion was caused, the website claimed, because one of its social media executives mixed up the slain militants with a couple of suspected militants arrested by the police in Shopian. 
Aditya Rajkol protested their filing of an FIR against Sajid Yusuf Shah. The police in Kashmir's Shopian replied by saying, and I quote, No one has a right to spread fake news and instigate people, unquote. Misinformation is a scourge of the digital age. One of the effective ways of combating misinformation is independent journalism. Fair and independent journalism of the kind that News Laundry has adopted as a mission. A mission that we wouldn't have been able to start, let us sustain, without your support. It is only because of you, our subscribers and well-wishers, that we are able to bring ground reports, videos, interviews and podcasts that are rigorously researched and reported. We believe that facts are facts, unlike Vivek Agnihotri. Want to know why I brought this up and what Vivek Agnihotri said? Log on to newslaundry.com to watch the whole interview with Abhinandan Sekri. Please go to newslaundry.com and click the red subscription button on the top right corner. We need your support, dear listeners, to continue what we do. Subscription is as low as 300 rupees a month. Pay to keep news free. Draupadi Murmu, presidential candidate of the National Democratic Alliance, submitted her paperwork for the elections today at the Parliament building. Union Home Minister Amit Shah, Prime Minister Narendra Modi, members of the Union Cabinet and Chief Ministers from states governed by the NDA were all present. According to the news agency PTI, Murmu called opposition figures Sonia Gandhi, Sharad Pawar and Mamta Banerjee to solicit their support for a candidacy. Apart from the NDA leaders, those who registered their presence were AIA-DMK's O. Paneer Selvam and M. Thambidurai, Janata Dal United's Rajiv Ranjan Singh, YSR Congress, V. Vijayasai Reddy and BJD's Sasmit Patra. Murmu's candidacy has received support from YSR Congress leader and Andhra Pradesh Chief Minister Y.S. Jagan Mohan Reddy, who said it is consistent with his party's emphasis on the need for representation of scheduled castes and scheduled tribes, according to the Hindu. With that, Naveen Patnaik, the leader of the BJD and the Chief Minister of Odisha, have also endorsed Murmu for the position of President and urged lawmakers in his state to do the same regardless of their political affiliation. The 64-year-old member of the Santhal community in Odisha was announced as the joint candidate of the major opposition parties, including the Congress, TMC and NCP, on Tuesday night, just hours after former Union Minister Yashwan Sinha. Sinha, on 22nd June, had said that the election for the President's post is not a contest between individuals, but a battle between two opposing ideologies. He said that he has great regard for Murmo and wishes her well in the polls. On July 18, the presidential elections will take place, and on July 21st, ballots will be tallied. Last date of nominations is June 29th. Picking her to be the next President of India resonates totemically with the wishes of Adivasi icon Jaipal Munda. To know more about Jaipal Munda and how Draupadi ticks all boxes for BJP, read Anand Vardhan's opinion piece titled Tribal Ties, East India Outreach, Sulking Allies, Why Draupadi Murmo Ticks All Boxes for BJP on Newslaundry.com. A second small earthquake struck an area of eastern Afghanistan on Friday, killing at least five people, according to the state media. U.S. Geological Survey's website showed a 4.3-magnitude earthquake had hit near Pakistan-Afghanistan border on Friday. The tremor shook areas close to the epicenter of Wednesday's 6.1-magnitude earthquake. Authorities in Afghanistan have ended the search for survivors after an earthquake that killed over 1,000 people. The 6.1-magnitude quake flattened more than 3,000 houses and caused widespread damage to public property. The quake was centred in Paktika province, about 50 kilometres southwest of the city of Khost, according to neighbouring Pakistan's meteorological department. The last Ukrainian forces fighting in eastern city of Severodonetsk 
have been ordered to withdraw in order to avoid being encircled, as fears grow that the neighboring city of Lysychansk could also fall to Russia within days, the Guardian reported. According to some estimates, about 12,000 civilians remained in Severodonetsk out of pre-war population of 160,000. The Luhansk governor, Serhii Haidai, said that Severodonetsk had been nearly turned to rubble by continual bombardment. He said, and I quote, All critical infrastructure has been destroyed. 90% of the city is damaged. 80% of houses will have to be demolished. Unquote. Russia now appears to be concentrating its forces on Lysychansk, the last city held by Ukraine in Luhansk province. That's all the news we have for you today. Have a good day or a good night, depending on where you're listening from. See you tomorrow. All the News Laundry podcasts are available on Stitcher, iTunes and any other podcast platform. Please subscribe to News Laundry. Help us keep news independent. To catch all our podcasts on news, pop culture, current affairs and sport, visit newslaundry.com. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram and subscribe to our YouTube channel.